Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com. You guys go to denanywhere.com now, no matter where you live in the world, and you can take our classes virtually and live. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up for just $29.99 a month. You get a limited access to our classes with over 150 a month to choose from. Plus, most of them are archived. So if you can't make the exact time, you can catch them later. We still also have our workshops and our certifications now all accessible to you no matter where you are. Go to denanywhere.com. Hey guys, welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host, and I'm the founder of Den Meditation. Today, I'm talking to Layla Delia. I'm so excited about this conversation. She's a spiritual writer. She just came out with a book, Vibrate Higher Daily. She's also the founder of VibrateHigherDaily.com. She, what I love about her is... You know, she talks about everything is energy, which you guys hear me talk about ad nauseum, (laughs) but how we're made of energy, the floor is made of energy, your friends are made of energy, your situation is energy, everything is. And when you can start owning that, it just automatically gets you into your power and you can start directing where your thoughts go, where your energy goes, and you can also start attracting the things you need because you can get onto the equal frequency. It's pretty amazing. So we get into ways you can do it. But what I love about her is her story too, because she reminds you that everyone can do it. She was born and raised in South Central LA, as she calls it, the war zone. And she really was, as we talk about, stuck in this low frequency environment where the minute she left her house, you know, it was survival mode and she had to put on this tough exterior. She said at one point she lost like seven people in one year to homicides and there was always something going on. So it was a tough place to be raised. And she had a bunch of trauma that we discuss, you know, a few pieces of it in here, a bunch of trauma that when she went through as a younger thing and she finally, at one point, actually try to commit suicide, and she's surprised she actually survived. But that was the first moment of feeling purpose again. And then from there, she started really studying and understanding, getting these beautiful mentors that were like falling into her life, the understanding of what energy is. So she's here today to help bring these teachings to you and this understanding of when we can start changing our environments and our situations to vibrate higher, how your whole life will change. But again, I want to go back to the reason I love that it's her is A, she teaches it in such a beautiful way, but it is a reminder that everyone can do this. This is not a privilege. This is not something that only certain people can do at certain times in their lives. Everyone can do it. It's just a matter of understanding it. So I really hope you like this episode. Um, She's pretty incredible. All of the show notes are going to be on the website, so please check them out. And please go to our Facebook group and, you know, leave comments about what you thought. I'm so excited to be here with you, and we're going to roll right in because what we were talking about off camera, I feel like is off camera, off video, off audio, what do you say? I don't know, before we were recording, um, was we were talking about our kids and kind of how we look at education a little bit differently now oh, yeah. and how we were both talking about how we've been asked before, at least I've been asked about like, is that school academic? And I'm always like, I don't know. I just know the older kids are like really nice and really kind. Yeah. And that's what keeps me excited about the school. And we were both 
and you were just saying now too, like the reason you picked your school for your son, who's 11, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Was because they breed passionate and compassionate and kind, thoughtful leaders of the future. Like that's their statement, right? Mission statement. Totally. And I love it because I think it's such a perfect entry point because she and I were both saying that we just think this is a different world now. Like academics aren't necessarily going to be everything. So Layla and I were talking um, about the fact that we just feel like the future is going to be made up of of like a different constituent. Like it's going to be more based on compassion. And so she is the founder and author of Vibrate Hired Daily. It's like my mouth gets all... (laughs) Um, And the reason I think this ties together so nicely is because when you read a book and when you study with you or learn from you, and we're going to get all into it today because anyone who hears me talk knows I love this shit. (laughs) It's all energy. Oh, yeah. And it's all energy, energy, energy. We're energy, it's energy. And so we're going to learn about you tapping into your own energy, how to use it better, how to understand how to target it, dive into it, all of it. And like Mm -hmm. the effects you can have once you start really seeing yourself as this energetic being. But the reason I think right. this come this works is because when you start looking at it as energy, you start to realize that the world's not going to be as based on knowledge per se and who knows more and who's smarter, quote unquote, right. or who's read enough history books and can quote stuff back. You start to realize where the momentum is going and it is going to be based on people who know how to harness this energy. Totally. Yeah, we're, we're totally at a change of guard where even when you look at pro- the professional practice, people with degrees and all these certifications, it's almost at a point of it's just people are turning to real people who have real life experience and just want to follow someone, someone who has really lived this life. Not that they are qualified by a degree or fortified because of privilege or whatever it is. It's just real life knowledge and we're at the forefront of a huge time that I believe in history where we're free from that. We're free yeah. from the institutionalization of everything, plus like religion, education, health, everything. We're taking our power back in all those areas. And so when we talk about children, I think it's so important that we do look at it's not just how they're doing in academics, but what kind of child am I bringing up vibrationally and energetically? Like this school, what kind of energy does my child have? What kind of energy is my child exposed to? How are they vibrationally? This is what's important because when you go out into the world, this is really what's going to make better citizens and better human beings on the planet versus just focusing on left brain. And so I think that when you raise compassionate, mindful children, they balance it out. They're going to look for knowledge and and wisdom that's going to feed them best on their path. I love that. Oh, yeah. But I think it's so smart because, again, as that generation grows, you know, when we're looking, you know, we're kind of in the midst of, we're, we're still, we're in that transition, so it's actually awkward. I feel like that's why we're feeling so much tension. tension. yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's like, it's so interesting that we're still in, you know, where the old guard is really holding on tight. Totally. <laughs> Very tight. For dear life. <laughs> for dear life. And it's, I've said that before, it's like, I have compassionate for them as well because mm-hmm. I see it. I'm yeah. like, it's like, for us, it feels like it's never going to end. But like, if you can kind of, again, if you can get into the energy, you, you yeah. feel that it's changing. Totally. I know it's changing. So that gives makes it easier for me to deal with mm-hmm. a lot that's happening like I, I feel like I can stay calmer because yeah. I'm like I sense where it's going but it just feels so awful right now because they are holding on so tight but yeah. the compassion I give is like yeah it's really hard when what you know feels like it's being pulled right out from under you it's just hard whether it's right yeah. or wrong however we perceive that totally. that is a scary feeling for people so that's why you're getting this like lockdown kind of and yeah. all of us feel like nothing's gonna change mm-hmm. but 
I do feel like, you know, that it, it was and still is that time of like, right, wrong. They did this, so I'm going to retaliate with this, or I'm going right. to create this before they can even do this in the first place so that then they can, whether it be as, you know, extreme as war or violence or just be the bickering. That's what I feel like is just naturally going to change when people live in a more energetic way. Totally. Yes, it's just um, for me, people can live in altruism where we're looking for the good for everyone, not just ourselves. And I think that that's been the model for way too long where when that model did take over, because it was sacred and beautiful at a time, but when, you know, and so when it went to a more self-centered way of living, way of you know, educating people, way of looking at success in the world and wealth and finance and every possible thing you can think of, it changed and it changed the vibration of the planet. And I think when we can live in harmony with everything around us because we're part of this ecosystem and when we see, okay, I'm a part of everything. So when I get my act together (laughs) energetically and vibrationally, I'm doing my part. I can't, you know, speak for anyone else and I can't really worry about anyone else. But I think when we do just send love and send the best intentions out, it helps the stress go away because it can be a lot when you let it wear you down and, you know, and you're waiting, looking at the clock, like, okay, when is this person going to change and, and vibrate higher and transform <laughs> right. their life, you know, and, and we're, we're tend, you know, we tend to do that because we care. We are caring people. And I just say, take all the time you need to work on yourself and show up in a planet, in this planet, the highest vibrational potential self that you can because we need it. And for me, it's not that I don't like to use the word war, but if we look at duality and if we look at just everything around us throughout history, there is a time for war and there's a time for peace. And so even if your way is is to be peaceful and is to be spiritual and to eat healthy and to be mindful, that's war. Like that's the way that you are showing on the battlefield. And I think it's beautiful and it's a different kind of fight. It's going against something that's there and it's, right. and it's you know, helping it to dissolve and to d- dismantle. And so it's so important to look at this thing as not just a form of resistance, because I know that's the first thing that maybe comes to mind when we look at, okay, this is re- resistance against these powers that are in play now or the way I used to be or my lifestyle that I'm transforming out of, revolving out of. But if we look at it as a form of taking our power back, showing up on a battlefield with a new plan and something that people have never known. And I think that because this is a time that's unknown, the powers that be, they can't, they don't know what to call it. (laughs) They don't know, like when it was just a few, it was new agey. And woo-woo. And woo-woo, you know, but what can you say now? It's millions of us. But what's also so funny is, again, and you, you hinted to this, none of this stuff is new. And that's what's so interesting. At one point, culturally, societally, like civilization-wise, it was completely based on everything that people are studying, teaching, preaching, working with now. I mean, you know, cycles were based on the astrology and the new moons and ceremony was because that's when they knew they could get things done in a different way and how to make the best of it. And it's just fascinating of something that was of everyday life has become so now, it went out completely, and then when it started to find its way back in, it's like woo-woo and weird and new age. You're like, it's not new age at all. It's old age, like very old age. It's, old, it's so old, it's, and it's sacred, and I love that we're coming back to it. And, and sometimes it can be interesting. I hear sometimes people, when they share with me, that there is tension between their family of their new path. And, their, and, and specifically, this is from 
families that maybe all have a Christian background. They're like, well, be careful with those crystals or be careful with the meditation. Right. They you know, think you it's hear, dangerous. They think it's dangerous. And so the person has a fear-based mentality going into it and they're tiptoeing into it. And that fear is there. And I do believe that that fear is instilled even in the families. They may mean well. But a lot of this goes back to, because we do hold memories in our DNA, in our genome, mm-hmm. a lot of this goes back to like the witch hunt days. And oh, even yeah. before that, like we don't know how many of our ancestors persecuted you know, us persecuted you know or if you have, do you believe in past lives yeah absolutely i do i do i believe that we do have a, a a choice whether we are what we're able to do with our energy and our vibration when we leave here because i do think it's funny one of the things i heard or read recently which i was like oh that's so interesting that sometimes the people who have the more most resistance of fully jumping into their spiritual path and embodiment are those who were probably very spiritual in past lives, like unbelievably and probably got persecuted of some sort and have probably been such high figures within the community. And it's funny. And then it's like, and the ones that are having an easier time are the ones when you talk about it kind of here with initiation where something just shitty really happens and pushes you into creating your new path, whether it be, you know, loss, a dark night of the soul, Mm -hmm. you know, just something that's, forces you to have to make a change and they say but those people as awful as it can be are having an easier time embracing it because it's almost like I need the change right and the and then the others are kind of sitting in it who probably have so much beautiful energy to uncover and they don't even realize it that's connected to something so far in the past yeah it's it's it's, it is it's the trauma that they're still holding that they were never able to evolve out of and do something with and I do look at that sometimes when souls leave this planet, were they at peace? And that's always my prayer when someone does leave a planet and leave their body is that they will be at peace. No matter who they are. Absolutely. I feel the same way. Oh, yeah. Because I see that, you know, I, I believe that they will linger. They'll linger between realms until they're they're their being is at rest. And so I think that's the deeper meaning when people say rest in peace. Right. And not that I think that they're sleeping the whole time. Right. The rest of their life, but no, they, they can, their soul can rest now. You yeah. can transcend, you can evolve and rest into your next life. And really wouldn't that be the, the most beautiful thing is, is the eternal life of yeah. rest and peace. Yeah. Let's get to the idea of energy because I want to talk about it. So, yeah. you know, and we're hinting at it with everything we're saying, but I just want to get into the nitty gritty mm-hmm. of um, and we'll get more into your story later, but you know, you came from you know a harder childhood right here in South Central LA, yeah. Um, and kind of what you referred to as a war zone. So, and the reason I wanted to bring that up on the earlier side is so people realize again, and maybe we can start with this question: is sometimes I feel like when we talk about energy or when we talk about the idea of meditation or harnessing it, it comes off as a very privileged attitude. And part of the reason I actually love that you're here talking about that is because you came from anything but privilege and you are embodying it, teaching it and evolving from it every single day. And I love that because, um, I I feel like it's the most accessible thing for anyone, wherever you are. It's just a matter of you don't always have access to the idea or the knowledge or the self-worth of it. Um, so talk a little bit about that because, you did come from, you know, not the easiest childhood in that sense. You finally got in touch with it. But how do you address the idea of like, this really is for everyone and the idea of what energy is and vibrating in an energetic way? Yes. When I was aware that I had vibration running within me and then 
furthermore, that I was vibration. And then furthermore than that, everything around me was vibration. And then furthermore than that, we're all connecting to, like, it's vibration and vibration, vibration. Everything's energy. All day long, communicating, sending signals, (laughs) receiving, absorbing. And so I was blown away in the most awesome, necessary way when I understood this. And for me, it gave me now a reason to go further in my life and have more hope, more joy, and just be encouraged that, oh, okay, I do have agency over my life. I have control over this energy and vibration. And yeah. growing up, I, I, was, I was truly not in touch with my power. And it, so much of it was because of survival mode, you know, just living in those environments. And, you know, I, th- I think that Abraham Maslow's book is so, for me, anyone living in any trauma or in a life that they feel that they've never been, they've never seen privilege, they've never been part of privilege, they, they're on survival mode, maybe on the run from themselves, from their potential. It's so important to read that book because that book gives you the language for what you're going through. You, like, rule number one, when, when he's talking about his pyramid of basic human needs, is number one, before we can do any type of self-development, we have to have survival, survival mode. Yeah. yeah, right? So if you're just basically living on survival mode, there's not going to be meditation and eating healthy. You're not going to, you know, you're not going think, to think about that. And even if you do, it's not going to stick. Right. It's not going to penetrate deep enough because the survival mode part, the, the, the human psyche is just not going to allow it. So you have so many communities and people who are still living in that. And so I think that's where we can send compassion when we do kind of wonder why things are like they are in certain communities. When, you know, especially if you do have a life of privilege and you're wondering how I can help, send compassion. Look, look in these directions with compassion because these people are in survival mode and they can't do anything else until they get those basic needs met. And that can look basically like, you know, fair housing, finding better education. And from my understanding now, from everything I've been through, the way I look at education, again, like we talked about, is not just teaching us how to read mathematics, you know, and arithmetic and science and social study, but how to deal with our lives. You know, I remember leaving school and then dealing with real life. Mm -hmm. So school was almost like, okay, that's cute, but now what? You know, (laughs) know, like, how is this going to help me in my real life? Like, it was getting real, like, you know, just on so many levels as a young person growing up in that war zone. And so how do we talk to that for the young person? Because if you can't talk to a young person's pain, you really can't get through them, through to them. And so it's a lot of times when you're able to meet someone on their level and not that you've like have been through the same thing, but just like, I want to know, like, I really want to lean in and understand who you are, where does it hurt and how can I help you? Or what can I do to show up and hold space or to direct you in the right path? And I think that's what the education system is missing. Right. And so for me, when I was able to find that through mentors and just these mystical beings that, you know, showed up on my path, it was life changing for me. And I was able to get in touch with myself on a level to where, okay, now basic needs are starting to be met. I'm feeling related to someone is hearing me. Um, people are suggesting deeper work than just sitting in a counselor's office or sitting in therapy where the therapist, you know, I'm outsmarting the therapist at this time because I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, like I can oh, just yeah. tell the therapist is like, it's just going either in one ear or out the other or that they just can't relate. And so I remember just 
really leaving their feeling defeated at one point, like this there, I'm outsmarting, like I'm not telling what I don't want to tell and I'm telling what I do want to tell. Like it was just almost comical, but defeating at the same point. I felt that way at therapy before too, where I'm like, I'm I'm controlling this whole situation. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so you have to, you have to at some point call in people who can really help you. And so I remember at that point, I'm like, I have to have somebody that has been through something. Like, at this level of what my trauma and what I've been through, what I've seen, and what I'm still going home to after I leave therapy, like, it has to be somebody that has some real-life power. And like we said at the beginning, it doesn't come from a degree. It comes from real life. And if you have a degree, I mean, I'm not knocking the degree of altogether. Of course. Right, but it's just like, go deeper. Like, once you get that degree... Find some real life situations where you can get in, get uncomfortable, because until you're uncomfortable, you can't understand pain that other people are going to. And maybe that's showing up in a, in a community you normally wouldn't feel comfortable in, showing up at meetings and finding events, finding ways you can volunteer so you can understand the culture and the language there. And, and you know, once people kind of see you showing up time after time, they welcome you in. And that's one thing about, I can say, is that we, you know, growing up in that kind of environment, that inner city, we do have a hard face at first. And mm-hmm. maybe, you know, the energy is like blocking. But once we once we see that you're really there, all the, all the guards fall down and we'll welcome you in with love. And then you're like family, you know? Right. And I think that that happens with a lot of cultures around the world. Yeah. We kind of look at each other from a distance like, oh, okay, they're not welcoming. But it's just peeling back those layers and vibrationally connecting. So all of that to say is that it was just getting basic needs met. And then from there, journeying up the ladder of, okay, basic needs met. And then looking how I had power within me. What can I do with this power? And what can I do with the gifts inside of me and the desires inside of me and what are these really saying about my life and who I am because I know I'm not just the victim that I thought I was. I'm not just meant to live in victimhood. I'm, you know, I'm here to be the overcomer of my life. And so when I started ascending to these different levels of realization of who I was, it allowed me the process to, for one, take my time with it because I did. I, I was able to take my time, but then also stop feeling guilt and shame because I think when you when you come out of these hardcore environments or environments that are are not filled with privilege, you do have a little bit of shame when you show up places that are beautiful and you don't feel like you have a right to be there. You feel hmm. uncomfortable. And I think that that's part of what we're seeing now with a lot of the decolonization of wellness practices, spaces, yoga, even, you know, taking, you know, just taking our rightful place as people of color, but then also of people that have been underserved to say we deserve to be here in this space. And I love that we're at a moment in history where the conversation is opening up to all voices and we're doing the work together. And I truly have put myself out to be a bridge in order to make a lot of the connections and and relationships happen. I'm so glad you have. And you're a perfect bridge for that. And so talk about, you were saying when you started to realize you have power um, and something to give, what helped you realize that? Yeah, it was it was when I this is so interesting to me. I was in an abusive relationship. Again, like I it was just down spiraling, right. spiraling, everything you can think of that keeps you in these cycles. I was doing it. Right. And so I'm like, which abusive relationship was this? So it was a relationship that and it was the last one ever that I was in. And I remember reading this book from Robert Greene, uh, The Art of Seduction. And I don't know what made me, I never would pick a book like this up in the bookstore, but I picked it up and I was so intrigued. And this book basically talks about 
it's about taking your power back, like the language I use. Yeah. And it was just about how some ways that we show up in relationships are anti-seductive. And usually it's when we're not able to control our emotions and when we're needy and, you know, when we give all the person, the other person, all the power. Like these are all anti-seductive and you're always turning the other person off. Like even if, you know, they don't really realize what's happening. It's just, he was like, it's just a psychological thing that's happening and even energy wise. And I was like, whoa. And so by this time I was already reading about energy. I was reading about you know, vibration. And that was just random. Like you just kept picking up stuff or did you something spark an interest in it? It was, that book was completely random. Now my mentors, by this time I had acquired mentors when the student is ready, the teacher appears kind of thing. They started showing up. And so I was reading, I was reading every book they, they gave me, I would read. And then I would just be at the library reading other books. And this was, you know, really before social media, well, totally before social media, but but before everything was big online. And this yeah, was back yeah, you in actually like had to go find stuff in the library. You had to go find it in the library. You had to find it in the bookstore. And so in this way, I became autodidactic to where I was just learning everything I could to teach myself these things that I wasn't learning or ever taught. And so I was just going even further. And I would come back to my teachers and say, this is what I learned. And they're like, oh, okay, you're on the right path. <laughs> you're on the right path. So this book was so inspirational to me. And it changed my life because I was always that one who showed up without the power in the relationship. It was always about the other person. And I was very codependent because, you know, the whole you know, just what I talk about in the book, what I've been through, it created me to down spiral. And so that's who I was showing up in life as. And so when I understood that, like I, my mind again was blown in the most beautiful way, open to expand. So it's interesting. You were already learning about the idea that everything is energy. Everything is vibrating. Things attract, attract. That's what yeah. it is. But it wasn't until you somehow picked up this this book that really yep. spoke to you about how you're showing up in relationships and creating, you're part Ooh. of the reason you're creating this. Yes. Which, by the way, I, I love that. And I love that you're saying it because... I think one of the things I love about when people can start seeing things energetically yeah. is you realize how much power you have, period. Because it's period. like, it's nothing's better, nothing's worse. It's just energy. And it yeah. can either be positive, it can like move negatively, it's, but it's just energy. You can yeah. make it bigger, you can make it stronger, it can go inert, it can go forward. Yeah. And so once you start to realize you have this control and that's what it's about for you, that's when you start to feel this empowerment and also this lack of you know, status of who's better or worse because you realize it's all just energy there's nothing else to it that's it but this extra piece that you got of empowerment and realizing you know so many people don't realize no matter what situation when they're in these situations how Mm -hmm. much they are part of creating totally we all create constantly right and I don't think we realize that I think we think we only create when it's like something amazing. Right. <laughs> and or then we, we want to take, take credit. For right. It, and we take, we pat ourselves on the back <laughs> and we're like, Oh my God, I had this amazing idea. Whether it's as simple as like they yeah. took, my teacher loved it at school or it's something bigger that's like transpired in the world. Right. But people don't realize that you're creating everything. You're creating every fight. Yep. You're creating every bad habit. You're creating the bad relationships. Yeah. It's creation is constant. So talk a little bit more about it and from yeah. an energetic perspective as well. But I love that that's was like the missing link for you that you finally were like, Oh shit. Yeah, like this is it. And my my grandmother Layla used to say often is that it takes two to argue and it takes two to act a fool. You know, and, and it's true. And it's so true. And you're like, whoa. So and I started to get these things through that. And mind you, I reached out to 
Robert Greene, the author of that book, The Right Email. I was like, this is a chance. I don't know, a needle in a haystack. He'll right. probably never see this email, but I'm going to go for it. He responded to me within like three hours. And I just told him, I just, in that email, I just poured my soul out to him. And he responded back to me and said, we're going figure, to figure this out, basically. Like he, he, for four months straight, we had a dialogue on email. This woman, he has no idea who is and is busy and as awesome as he is, like to this day, he was a big part of my transformation and taking my power back. And a, the gist of what he told me is that you're going to have to start looking at relationships different. So the person that you're looking for right now, for you, he's seductive because of the whole rejection thing or the whole abuse thing or the whole he has the power thing, like whatever it was, because I was always looking for or always returning to a relationship where there was rejection, whether it was, you know, words not being honored, whether it was time not being honored, whether it was just my energy and myself not being honored. For me, that's all a form of rejection, a rejection of honoring who you are. And so I think sometimes we see just rejection as, oh, the person is is not into me. But if maybe they're into you, but they're still rejecting they're not honoring an you. aspect of you and they're not honoring that. I find that to be... You can feel it. Like I have felt that before in a relationship yeah. where like I end up being like, I just feel like I'm not being seen. And like ultimately yeah. you're like, oh shit, that's exactly what it is. Yep. You just feel like they don't get you. They don't get you. And that's you. a horrible feeling. It is so horrible. And I think that what Robert helped me understand is that it had nothing to do with me. And then also by this time I had already read the book, um, The Four Agreements where right. chapter two, don't take it personal. Right. So once <laughs> We say that on the show all the time. It's not always easy, but if you didn't take anything personally, your life would be so much smoother. It would be so much smoother. And so that's what I started doing. I started not taking things personal. And he really was was like, this is what you have to start doing. Like he was giving me game. Like it, it, it was so amazing. I was going to say he was giving me game. Yeah, he was giving me game. That's what we say in the streets. He was giving me game. I love it. <laughs> he was giving me game. Um, he, he was giving me a game plan to for the next conversation. Say this. Um, when he calls you, do this. Um, if he wants to go out, do this. Like literally. So I was having a master class with Robert Greene. And so if I tell you, basically it was showing for my power. Like stop being so available. Um, stop when someone is on the phone with you and the conversation goes disrespectful. Excuse yourself. You know, just basic things. Yeah. Basic things. But nobody taught you that. Nobody taught me. You know, just basic things. And so once I started doing these, like, it, within a matter, I mean, the first conversation, it was like, like, instantly, like the guy. So ever since that whole thing, the guy, it's the tables turned where he was chasing me now, you know, and, you know, it was all about me and him, you know, me trying to get him involved and more deeper. And then it was other way around and so and the book tells you be aware and be ready because when you apply these principles nine times out of ten you're not even going to want this person anymore right because you're going to be in your power and see that this you were dealing with somebody beneath you anyway yeah. vibrationally energetically not not on a human yes, level exactly. but you know what I mean just under you don't yes yeah, so a lower this. vibration right you know and um so <laughs> so that happened to me where I was just like it neutralized this relationship for me and so that was where I was just like, what just happened? What did I just see? It was some Jedi stuff, you know? It feels like Jedi <laughs> stuff sometimes. That's funny. Yes. Yeah. So I just applied that to everything in my life because it allowed me to say, no, I can show up in any situation in my power. I'm not going to be disrespected, whether it's in a personal relationship, 
with a partner, a friend, a family member, anything. So I applied all his rules to everything. And what he allowed me to see also was that it's okay for things that sometimes look boring. And coming from where I was coming from, relationship-wise, everything was always big and grand and fun and just, you know, sparkly. And so he was just like, no, no, let's quiet it down. Yeah. Let's, let's get to a still point in your life where, you're, where none of that matters. It's just how the person treats you. What is this person like? What is their character, their behavior? And so when you do get still and all those other distractions aren't in the way, then you can see the person for what they are. And so that was a big learning lesson for me, too. And he was like, you know, maybe your, your best relationship is going to be with somebody who looks a little more boring. And, you know, this and that. And I remember at that time, I'm like, ugh. No, <laughs> you know, right. like, no, what are you talking about? But as I stayed with him on this, he was so right. And I was like, basically what he was telling me is that the good guy, what we, what we see in our, he was like, at the time right now, what you think is boring, but at, when you're healed from this and on, in your power, it's not going to be boring. It's going to be so fascinating, beautiful, yeah. beautiful and mindful and, and just divine. And so that's what it turned into. And, and that all translated to my life. It was just sim- symbolism I love for me. that. Yeah. When you started kind of understanding the power of your energy. Yeah. How, like, can you describe for people? Because, like, I want to get into the idea. Okay, so if everything's vibrating... And everything is energy from like the floor we're sitting on to this, you know, you and me and this conversation we're having now is almost creating its own direction of energy. How can you describe to someone who might be trying to dabble or understand it, like what it feels like? Like what does lower energy feel like? What does higher energy feel like? How can they start getting into their bodies to even feel it? Definitely the body is always giving feedback. So through biofeedback, we can understand when we walk into a room, okay, this feels comfortable here. Or, ooh, the tension is, the air is thick. Right. Right? And you can always kind of tell when you walk into a room and you feel like someone has just argued. Or like I heard someone say recently, I walked into the room and I could tell they were talking about me. You know, like that kind of thing. Or when you're walking down the street and you have a sense of maybe there's danger. You're picking up on it. So if we understand that we are... We are these creatures by habit who are here to survive. We're able to tap into these, these principles within ourselves, this technology that's here to keep us alive. And, and not that it's, it's a, a matter of, you know, surviving, like, literally. <laughs> like, you're not going to lose your life. Right. But it also goes to just minute levels, just the whole minimal, if we, can, if we look at it in a, in a very minimal way, or even through the eyes of essentialism, mm-hmm. where it's just essential to take good care of yourself, to eat foods that help you thrive, to eat foods that have energy and life force in them. Because when you don't, you're going to feel heavy and you're going to feel those lower vibrations. To be around people who serve you well, who support you, who really listen and hear you, and to, to do work that's meaningful to you. A lot of things that we put out every day, the conversations we have sometimes, they're just so on autopilot. We're just not thinking about what we're doing. But if we can connect to there's energy in this that we're creating and sending out, then that changes everything, how we show up. So again, it's just what you're saying is if you can start acknowledging just the idea that every single thing is vibration from your thought, what you're putting out there to what you're speaking Mm -hmm. and also 
what you're intaking and what you're surrounding yourself by. So I love it because you talk about in the book too. It's like take inventory. Yeah. And you say like take inventory of your environment. Like how does it make you feel? Right. Your friends. Right. Like which ones are providing the good energy and which ones you feel like are either pulling your energy or. Yes. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. And also, you know, you mentioned like food because I get your whole point is when you start just naturally without even doing anything, just vibrating at a higher level, you know, vibration attracts things. So you're going to start matching to similar vibration. So, you know, same thing when you're stuck in a war zone, like Mm -hmm. in South Central, and you're stuck, unfortunately, in this place that has fewer opportunities and people don't even know, you're you're just constantly surrounded by that same lower vibration. Yes. And it's like, so it's harder to get out because you keep attracting and everyone just keeps attracting the lower vibration. So it's like, what are these things you can naturally do every single day to just up your vibration and you'll be surprised how your life just starts changing with that without even having to like do other work. And I love what you're saying is the food intake, higher vibrational food, the friends, higher vibrational friends, mentors, people, environment, higher vibrational environment. Am I missing something? Yeah, no, the food, the environment, the type of work you do in the world. Yeah. And then then also just your belief systems. Like what, how does the way I believe about myself, what does that say vibrationally? Is it higher vibrational thoughts or are they lower vibrational thoughts? You say that in the book and I love it because, and it makes me so happy as a parent. I know you can relate to this because you know how we try and instill things and we have no clue if they're going in or out or whatever. And lately my daughter's been repeating something to me lately that I'm like, oh, it actually like, it's there somewhere. (laughs) Because one thing I always said to her, she'll be like, I can't do this. I can't, man. And I was like, we do not say can't in this household. We just don't, period. And like, you can say, I need help. I'm still working on it. I'm still learning. You can say all those things, but not the word can't. Because you can. You just have to figure it out. Right. Right. And all of a sudden lately, like she hears it on TV, she's like, they said can't. (laughs) So I'm like, oh my God. It's like, it's somehow, they said can't. They shouldn't say can't. Like we, you don't say can't. And I'm like, Oh, yep. and I'm and I, now it's funny because yeah. it's almost like a curse word, and I don't know how to explain her. Well, <laughs> so I'm leaving it how it was because I'm just so thrilled that that yeah. clearly that's become a little bit of a mm. pattern for her, which is great. But talk about totally. it is so important. Part of the reason I was trying to teach her that was it's as simple as that, you know. And we're all totally. created differently. Some are going to struggle with that more than others. But if you can at least start having that thought pattern, which vibrates higher, it's automatically going to at least bring you to a higher vibrational level. Yeah. It is. And and like you, my father was, I talk about in the book. And I love this. Yeah. Like his whole role in my life was, he was a Yoda to me. And, and so she was in South Central, yeah. like, you know, dealing with like gun violence and gangs and just mm-hmm. it's having a tough life. And her dad was a Buddhist. Practicing Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Yep. What was, from like, where was he from? He's, he was a transplant here from New Mexico. From Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, yeah, he came to... And did he grow up that way, or is it something he found along oh, his way? Yeah. He, he, no, no other person at that time in our family was practicing Buddhism. You know, he comes from a mother who, she was the church mother, and she held the church down. She's completely opposite of that. But she gave him a strong spiritual background, which he was able then, which I think is is what it's supposed to do. Yes. It was able to help him further along whatever he was going to get into in life and, and stand in his own power in it. And then he was able to come to L.A. with all his hopes and dreams, his pursuit of happiness, I, I call it. Literally, that remo- that movie reminded me of my dad and I so much. Oh. I remember being on the buses with him having suits, like one suit in the closet oh and, you know, just the whole thing. That movie... Yeah. 
oh. is one of those movies I've said I can't watch more than once because yeah. it rips me to shreds. Isn't it? It's just... So it's interesting that you say oh. that was very much like your journey. Oh, totally. all that really like... Yeah. I even think about it and like I'm getting like my throat's mm-hmm. getting like tight. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's so real. It's so real, that, that movie. And that was him. And, and we didn't have the language, language for it at the time, but he was vibrating higher out of everything he could like he could just afford to live in south central los angeles as a young person and he he had quit college when my mother got pregnant with me he was going as an electrical engineer and so he dropped out of school to you know go make a living and it just got real where he was like whoa okay we (laughs) moved to la but it's really expensive and at that time a lot of the black community was there right now just on the west side and so he he found spirituality, and I, I don't know, I've, I have to ask him who, t- who introduced him to Buddhism, but he took it so well, and I would see him, you know, doing his, his chants and his prayers, and... So he kept his practice going. Oh, he like kept it going. He daily. would pull me into meetings with, like, I was always at meetings, and, and we would have the Sangha, we would be in the Sangha, and sometimes a Sangha was, which is the support community, you know, it, it's your tribe, mm-hmm. and sometimes a Sangha was at our home, so... I was exposed to this, and that's that was just the dichotomy of of a young person growing up in urban culture in the, in the inner city. Because I could, I was so at home there. I was so at home at church with my grandmother Layla, and but when I stepped out of my door, it was a whole another vortex. You know, I had to turn into who I had to turn into at that time. Like Tough. that's a, that's oh yeah, that was a whole another form of survival. That at the time, my parents didn't, didn't fully fully know know about. And my father was very wise, so he didn't know all the details of what I was going through, but he was always just dropping knowledge in my ear and building me up. Like, do you remember one like tidbit that came in at just the exact right time? Yeah, I remember there was, <laughs> I remember there was a relationship I was in. Oh, no, 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 no. I remember, there's a couple, oh, there's so many. Which one would I say? I remember feeling insecure about my body. And getting, because I was very thin in school. And that was a part of like, you know, just the trauma. There was a a trauma that I experienced from a trusted caregiver, a sexual trauma. And I just, for some reason, it equated to like, just, I was not enough. It was something wrong with me, right? Just the whole thing it does, it was starting to do that. And so I, my body was just not enough. And other people at school were kind of just mentioning, oh, you know, she's thin, and I couldn't control, like, the thinness. It was just my nerves. My nerves, it was doing all the things to me. As a child, I was having an overactive digestive system, um, overactive nervous system, everything you can think of was, like, going haywire. And, and also, too, because I didn't really know how to vocalize what I was going through um, with my yes. parents or ask for help. And I definitely didn't want to tell my father just because I know... I was going to say, did your parents have any clue about what happened with the caregiver? No. So was I, that person still around? Uh, no, thank goodness, no. I, I send him love and healing, of course, but no, like he he's not around. He wasn't around. Um, but like after it happened, was he still around because you didn't tell anyone? Yes. Ugh. For about two years. Oh. But, but I didn't see him often. But yeah, for about two years. That's brutal. Uh-huh. And so I didn't want my father to retaliate, you know, because that right. was our language at the time. Like, would my dad retaliate? Like, does he still, ha- does he have that in him? And right. that's just what everyone did in the culture. And I didn't want my father getting harmed or anything. So I was protecting him. So I thought. And so I didn't end up telling my parents about this until I was in my like late 20s. And so, I th- but I think that that's okay for you to speak up when you have to speak up, 
because it's all we all have a time. But yeah. just do the work. Do the work to heal and take care of yourself, tend to yourself in the meantime. And when you want to share your personal experiences and traumas with someone else, then that's okay. You know, that time is okay. I think we have to be gentle. Sometimes we feel like heavy for not sharing or someone can say, how come you never told me before? Like I, I literally could not. I, I just wasn't ready. And I had to do all this. It took me years of work to be able to just tell that one story. So tell me about the beautiful knowledge he dropped about you just struggling with your body image. Yeah, so he he took me to get the most beautiful clothes when he realized, like, what I was going through at school. He took me on a shopping spree to just get clothes. He told the lady, like, find her clothes that really fit her well because I was wearing, like, really baggy clothes because I thought that was going to hide my shape, (laughs) my skinniness. And, you know, it was kind of cool back then to wear baggy clothes. I was just all into it, you know, in the 90s. And he just started telling the lady to find me clothes that fit. He was like, you look so beautiful every day. He would tell me how beautiful I look in my clothes. And he would tell me, this is you. This is who you are. You show up this way. And he used to tell me, you know, you're looking at women's bodies right now, looking for them. But when you get 25 or 30, you're going to love your body. It's going to develop just how you want it to. And when I got 25 and 30, I loved my body. Like, so I don't know if that's something he planted there, obviously, but it (laughs) it happened. And I remember just thinking, whoa, he, you know, it it was just, that's just one of the many seeds that he would plant in my head. You know, it would always be, you know, not to let men control me, take, you know, take advantage of me. And that I remembered and those stayed in my head as a seed form. And I think that even though the traumas happened and I did rebel against a lot of what he told me that I talk about in the book as he planted the seeds. He did what he was supposed to do. And then it was my responsibility to water the seeds. Right. And so when I began to water the seeds, which was looking for help and finding teachers and reading books and working on self-development, those seeds were ready to start sprouting now. And so that hence why I took to Robert Greene saying you know, basically, don't take this crap anymore. Take your power back. You know, that whole thing. Because my father planted that when I was younger. Oh, he was so planning beautiful. all these terms. Yeah, and so, and I, and I do believe as parents and friends and sisters, you, sometimes we don't see the manifestation of what we're offering people, whether it's wisdom and tips and guidance. It's just, just allow their journey to yeah, be what it has to be. plant the seed and just let it grow however it's going to grow. That's it. Because, you know, that's how nature works. The winds blow seeds all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I was going to say, some of the seeds <laughs> might grow and some of them don't. And, yeah, you know, it'll, I, I feel the same way too. I'm always like, I'm just going to give her what I can. And let's just pray that some of it goes in the back of her head. And yeah, then when right. she's older, she'll recall it. And like, it'll that's be there it. as like a comfy blanket for her or something. Because yeah. we, we can't control anything. I, I mean, God, it'd be nice as a parent, but we can't. I know, I know. And I mean, and that, that alone in itself, the fact that we... When we, when we are mindful that we can't control anything, I think that even in itself is a form of spirituality because that, yeah. that allows us to stay in our mindfulness and to stay, return to our practices and return to what nourishes and strengthens us to, you know, for when times do hit yeah. and they're hard and they're, they're uncomfortable and maybe inconveniencing to us that we're able to still find our center in the midst of it yeah, in a higher vibration. Because you know, th- things look different when you know everything is working for your good. Ultimately... I mean, that's one of the things I love about the idea of, like you say, living, you know, at a higher vibration, Mm -hmm. because then when you do start going, you know, we talk about it, it's like, we talk about it as this like big transformation that gets you there, but people don't realize then you continue to transform and transform and transform. It doesn't Mm -hmm. just end with one major shake. 
but the difference is when you can kind of jump in and own it and start yeah. feeling that vibration and directing the low energy and the, you know, high energy and understanding how to raise your vibration. That's it. You start to see the journey as something more fun and you start to see the journey as something yeah. that's going to take you somewhere beautiful and more as you actually see it as the roller coaster if you like to ride roller coasters right. obviously <laughs> if you get vertigo and throw up this is not the metaphor for you <laughs> but if you like roller coasters you know it's going to be yeah. a little scary you know your stomach's going to go up and stomach's going to down you know you're going to get a little nervous energy whatever it is yeah. but you know that ultimately you're doing it because you're getting a really good experience out of it yeah and like that's I feel like when you can live at a higher vibration, you just start to ride the ocean a little bit easier and you start to oh. feel like the joy of it versus like fighting the, the current or, fight, you know, getting yep. pulled into the riptide. It's like you can just kind of get that raft and take in the sun a little bit more. Yeah, that's it. That's, and that, that totally helped me out when I was able to, again, apply the teachings my father, <laughs> from my father and just the Buddhist principles, which have been so amazing for me when I can just really, when I was able to appreciate them in yeah. a new light, in a new vibration, like I couldn't appreciate them at that vibration that I was at that young age. And so for me now, like one of the main principles that is with me every day beyond mindfulness is just keeping my equanimity no matter in what situation I am, no matter who's in front of me, no matter if there's someone losing their cool or being unmindful or just there's a challenging situation in life that pops up, like I'm going to stay in my center. I'm going to stay in my peace. And whether I am upset or not, I'm not going to let this get the best of me. I'm going to respond versus react. And then however you respond, of course, that's through wisdom. You know, that's through maturity, spiritual yeah. maturity and wisdom. But if you can show up every day and, and remember that equanimity is how we stay joyful and peaceful in the midst of everything happening around us. And one of my teachers used to tell me, you know, look at life as, look at life, look at life as an insane asylum. <laughs> you know, you're showing up every day. Like, are you going to be yeah. the doctor or the patient? And she said that she lives in New York City. So like that was her. And, and I just got a kick out of that when she told me that because New York City is so wild and so like and so you much energy what's and frenetic energy on. at times. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, ha I have to do a lot of work to be in New York City when I go um, and, and when I come back. Um, but yeah. So she said, you know, are you going to show up as the doctor, as the psychiatrist, psychologist, or are you going to be the patient? And so that really helped me say, to, you know, to understand, OK, I'm going to stay in my center. And it's interesting because when we were talking about before, like your vibration attracts similar vibration, that's also something beautiful. Like if you're in a situation, you know, yeah. it's something beautiful you're actually doing for the other person. Whether you agree, disagree, anger, whatever is happening, when you send that type of vibration into the situation, yeah. you're automatically helping them get like lift up into that vibration too. Oh yeah. And that's a beautiful thing to do. It is so beautiful. And I think for me, that was when I didn't know what it was with my grandmothers, how they were always just so powerful and, and still and comforting, that's what they were doing. They were just in their higher vibration, in their center, in their strength, and giving it to all of us, giving it to all the grandchildren, the children, and holding up a whole community, you know, a whole family. So it's interesting because, you know, when we go back to talking about vibration and the effects of where you are and the people you're surrounded by you definitely, it's like you had a lot of high vibration around you. You were totally. really lucky for the environment you were in. It was just yeah. the environment was so low vibration. That's it. And yep. it's like, but you had, so in some ways you were really, really lucky because yeah. to be in that low vibration, but at least have the people that were immediately surrounding you be high vibration. Right. I mean, that really, I feel like that really helped get you 
to this place of underst- even understanding it yeah. and then being able to grow out of it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 tr- I feel truly blessed that I had the grandparents I had, that I had the father I had, the mother I had. Because had I not, I don't know where I would have been. Yeah. You know, like I wouldn't have had the the seeds to help, un, you know, help plant. Well, they wouldn't have planted in the first place. Yeah, you would have been then, seedless. Right, seedless. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. Or what seeds would have been planted, you know, if it wasn't those. Like, yeah, you know, what like, plants coming from there. Right. It would have been weeds and that kind of thing. And and I know the beautiful thing is that I'm not alone. I, I, I looked around growing up, and there were so many wonderful families. Of course. Going through the same thing I went through. And I remember sometimes just being so comforted being at, you know, friends' homes and this and that. And then, but when we, again, when we all go outside, it's like a whole It's just the energy is different. Yeah, it's just different. It's like when you get in that whole, and, and, and this is why I think it's so important to look at culture for young people and, and to look at that as it's something that's shaping them. It's not something that's just entertaining them, but it's shaping them. It has real life consequences on their psyche, on their experiences, how they show up with each other. And it's forming these peer bonds. And like when I was younger, the peer bonds that we were forming, one, it was trauma because we, you know, we, at that point, we had about, there was one summer, there was about six homicides. We were going to funerals like back to back, back to back. And I mean, and then, you know, we always, there was always something going on, you know, just, we call it the ghetto bird, you know, some always looking for somebody. So we had, we saw these messages. We went through the trauma. We went through a lot. And so when we can understand that versus, you know, I, I used to sing the best of it, like I talk, talk about in the book, I used to sing the best of ghetto rap and, and, you know, and, and just the whole movement of, you know, all that. But for me, hip hop began, it was so beautiful and so inspiring and so informational, but there was a a change of guard in the music industry who was, you know, forming rap to be more detrimental to young people. And it was an agenda. It was an agenda that when it came in, like, okay, we're going to take this and we're going to run with it. Right. And you know, there's a documentary called The Defiant Ones where you can watch. Did you see that? Uh, isn't that something? Obsessed. Yes. Like obsessed. That is like a must watch, I feel feel like, for so many people. And so they stay in there like, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just going because it was making money and it was no yeah. variety. So see, there was no vibrational awareness of what they were doing. But then when this rap music turned from hip hop being almost like a, a uplifting type of art form and a way that we were, you know, allowing our pain to be heard in an artistic, beautiful way. Right. And it was so high vibrational. Um, it's it switched to, you know, women, you know, being called derogatory names and and just all the things you can think you'd never want your ch- child exposed to. Like we're singing the lyrics and we're dancing yeah. to it, you know, and I, it was my, fa- I was at the concerts and buying, wearing the t-shirts. And so I was literally immersed in that. And so I think when we can and back then, I do remember our parents, it was even on the news, you know, everyone's having like, you know, like panic attacks about this type of music being out. But there was still not a way to tell children versus stop listening to that, you know, because they were going to hear it when they left. So the, I the, know. And it's so tricky, too, because I'm also assuming from that environment, there's success coming out of it. Yeah. Oh, so in yeah. some ways, it's that mixed messaging thing yeah. of like, look, you can <laughs> get out of here. You can be something. Yeah by doing this, but I agree, but the vibration is 
right. low. It was so and low, it's yeah. and it's perpetuating a lower vibration that's just keeping people. It's that's so interesting. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. And I think even like within the movie, the defiant defiant ones, even their goal of thinking they were just doing it for the money and, and to build their their legacy yeah. or their their empire up, there's still a force behind them. Like yeah. what, what what was sneaking into their psyche to say yes, or who was behind ultimately making the decisions to ultimately fund this? You know what I mean? So there's we can always go back and back and back and and I just say it sums up to energy. Yeah, it's, it is exactly it's right. It's just a toxic energy. It moves throughout the the web of life, just like beautiful high vibrational energy does. And so, as artists and people who offer things to the world, I think we have a higher responsibility now, especially in today's time, which I yeah. love. It's happening that we're taking the narrative back, we're taking the art form back, and we're putting out higher vibrational work into the world, and we're showing up more responsible with a lot of our craft. And we don't see a lot of that now. And if it's there. It's, it's getting tuned out by the higher vibrational things going around. You know, and you talk a lot in the book about tuning yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked a little bit about ways of, like, you can pay attention to keeping your vibration up. But I love that idea of, like, again, it's a frequency. Yeah. So you can tune it. Yep. And you can tune it to be on your higher frequency because when you are on the higher frequency, that's when you start connecting to your soul. It's when you start connecting your purpose to trust, to understanding it's all going to be okay. Right. Like, as I like to say in my classes, it's like that power we all talk about, this beautiful, infinite power. It's yours. It's there. It's yeah. just, like, you got to get into that right frequency. Like, tune that's that. It. Tune it. And, but I like how you were saying there's all these different ways you can tune yourself. So when you start to feel yourself getting out of frequency, and you can feel it, it's like agitation, depression, yep. frustration. Mm-hmm. I mean, you join in with any other feelings that we all know that we experience sometimes on the daily, or, yeah. but we're all human. We experience them. Retune yourself and figure out. But what I loved what you said in the book was figure out what raises your frequency. Like here are suggestions, of course, but like the whole point is this is you. This is your frequency. It's your time. And the more you know yourself, the better you're going to be at this. So like if you know this music and don't care what your friends think or not actually raises your frequency, Mm -hmm. then like listen to that song in the morning or if like doing something like going for a jog, do it. If it's eating a certain drinking, it's figure out how to tune yourself. Right. I love that. Yeah, that's it. And it's different for all of us like you like you just said it's finding your soul's medicine so whatever that looks like and then when you do it you want to lock into that right like because the consistency is what's going to carry you through so just doing something a few times here and there you're not going to get the full benefit of it right you have to really allow it to embed like let it that's really an important get point though because a lot of times you yeah. get a great reaction the first time like mm-hmm. you feel this like high from whatever it is the first time yeah. and then you chase that high yeah. and it doesn't feel that way for a long time you might never get that high again with that specific thing but it doesn't mean it's not working yeah it doesn't yeah and and then i think another important thing is that it doesn't have to be the obvious thing or like, you know, like I think a lot of people now do turn to yoga and meditation and all the things now that are like the powerhouses of helping us get there. But sometimes it's just resting in your bed. Absolutely. Like sleeping for a, for like put yourself on bed rest for three days and see if you don't feel like a million dollars after that. Right. No phone, um, eating light foods, you know, or sometimes it's, you know, going, sitting under an elder, who knows how to emotionally hold space for you maybe that no one else does or serving somewhere. So it's sometimes not the most obvious and it's getting to know you, but it's getting to know you. And then it's helping you 
serve others. And that's out, another form of Buddhism. That's altruism because now we're looking outside of ourselves. Yeah. And a beautiful thing is that when we are serving other people, we are... Because for one, we have to have the power to do it. So there's a higher power that's going to give us the power to do it. But then it's also fueling us back up. So helping others is always helping ourselves. And not to the point where you do it to where you're depleted and burned out. Of course not, never that. But we do want to realize that I need to be around other humans today. Like I need, I need to go serve and I need to give my energy out. And sometimes for me... I give my energy out a lot. So sometimes my medicine is, and I know that's one of my biggest medicines, is to serve. Like, I love it. I love serving. But sometimes it's stepping back and going within. Yeah, I get that. Closing And, re- and you got to refuel. Otherwise, you can't keep oh, giving. right. You said something also interesting in the book that I really liked, especially for codependence, yeah. <laughs> where it was like, serving's great and giving is great, but the gift is when you can also start to check in and know when you're doing it and for what reason, and you can say no. Not every right. situation where someone needs something is your responsibility to do it. And right. and I love that you actually gave, like you've got to actually check in and feel like, am I doing it because I feel like I have to? Am I doing it because I feel like it's going to make me look good or I mm-hmm. feel like I'm supposed to? Right. Or am I doing it because I can't not? do it. Like there's a vibrational pull yeah. to it. And I, I think that's so helpful for so many people. Cause I feel like that is the thing. It's like, you don't, it's not, everyone's on their own path and everyone's mm-hmm. path goes at a different time. Right. And so it's not our job to always fix it. I agree with you, serve, 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 yeah. but it's not always your job to fix someone. And so it is again, making sure you're actually checking in on your own path to make sure they're coinciding here on purpose. Like, are you supposed to be helping yes. in this moment or not? Right. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of times we, a lot of times these are spiritual tests coming to us. You know, these, these things that are vying for our, our attention and they show up as distractions sometimes when, when we kind of look at the energy through, through the web of life. There's as much as there's an energy moving us towards our higher potential, there's also an energy moving us away from it. And so when we can look at these situations and gauge, okay, is this moving me further in direction or away from it? And know that on the direction forward, there's going to be times when you're helping and giving and doing, and you're going to be exhausted and you're right. going to be, you know, all the things that don't feel good is, are going to happen there too. But then at least you know you're still moving forward. Yeah. But if these things are causing you to move away from your higher potential self and, and feeling good about yourself and your higher vibration and your goals, all of that, then you know it's not for you. And I talk about in the book, like every opportunity is not your mission. Right. It's just not. And so when we That's can be... important. Yeah, when we can be clear on that, that frees us to say no and to stand in our power. And a good friend of mine, Lacey Phillips, her, her platform talks a lot about manifestation and she has great teaching tools on test, overcoming test, and knowing that whenever you do pass a big test, and this is something that you have to say no to, and it's going to look shiny, and it's going to look beautiful, <laughs> yeah. and you really want to take it, but you know at the heart of hearts that it's not for you. And when you do say no to that, then something bigger happens automatically. Right. Like you just open up, you become so more magnetic to what you're calling in. And I think that that's beautiful because that's, that's the principle I saw happen in my life, truly. Every time, like when I would say no, like in the, in the situation with, you know, breaking up with my, my last, the last relationship I was in was over almost six, seven years ago now. And I knew that that was a, the biggest test of my life was walking away from that. Not the biggest test of my life, but at the time. Right. <laughs> and when I walked away and I felt good about it, the whole world, 
I felt like opened up for me. I just started seeing opportunities and and just the world in a new light. And so that really is a thing. When you can just stand in your power, say no to what you really feel called to say no to and go forward. And again, it always goes back to trust. Like when you can yeah. trust that this the energy is here, whether you want to tap into it or not. Yeah. We're at, we're made, I mean, it's Albert Einstein. We're made mm-hmm. of energy. It's here. Yeah. It's up to you if you want to start like seeing it and working with it right, right. or not. Right. And, you know, you do talk a lot about that, how there's these like major moments that will push you off or you get these opportunities. What do you feel like happens when people keep kind of not taking these opportunities to do the work? Yeah, that's that also is another form of. I call it, you know, you you're living in a lower vibrational, lower vibrational state. Some people call it dimming down your light. Yeah. Some people say it's fear-based. Some people say you're living beneath your, beneath your higher potential. Whatever you see that as, it's a form of blockage. It's an energy trying to hold you back. It's habit. It could be, it well could be fear for me. A lot of it was fear of being seen, of feeling like, you know, who am I to help people in the world and to have a voice in the world, you know, like knowing my background I came from, like, who am I? Right. But then when we can trust what is in us is bigger than anything we've been through, any past, whatever anyone is saying, whatever we feel will be judged. When we can really get past that, we're free. We're free to be us and just to show up. And then you trust, like the word is that you trust that who your work is for or who is supposed to be in your life it's going to show up. It's going to happen. And, and the right, see, you because when you do it yourself, when you're rejecting things or when you're trying to vibrationally manipulate the situation, <laughs> right. all the wrong things are going to happen. Right. right? And so it's not going to be what you want in, anyway. So it's just better to just surrender, surrender to whatever my higher potential is, even, even if that means, even if surrendering means saying yes to this thing I'm fearful of and stepping out into a life that I don't understand it's moving us. And, right. it, and it just takes like the that faith. One little. Like a mustard seed. Yeah. Just, yes. Like if, even if you can't even verbalize it, it's just like a yes in your, down in your spirit. Then there's so many forces around you that help you move forward with that. And everything else around you that is speaking against that, that is acting against that, that is not supporting that. It just has to be released out of your life, at least, and if not forever, for a time period. Yeah, and that means friends. Sometimes it means absolutely. Like, yeah, people like I think. Oh yeah, I think that's also a fear for people going through transformations. Is like it transform everything transforms. So like everything. your social life looks a little different. And again, it might be temporary, yeah. but social life looks a different. Like friendships might look different where right. you're at, and. And I think that's so scary for some people is, you know, not being perceived as the same person Mm -hmm. um, is hard for some people. Like to be like, well, if that person sees me shifting, are they going to even want to be my friend anymore? They may, they may not. We don't know. But it's like that is a very scary prospect, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. it's And and what I talk about in Chapter 2 in the the metaphorical terrains is the desert. Like we, I know we I love how you do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. You really should read this book, you guys. Cause I, it makes it very easy and clear. I think for people as they're starting to feel stuff to understand what's happening. Yeah. And I love how you say there's different parts of like the transformation and you do give them all these stages of like, it's like the mountain. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's, and it reminds you like, Oh yeah, I'm going over this right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like when you can put language to what you're yeah. going through, it just helps to demystify it. And then also it helps take its power away when it's big and scary. And then what it does is empowers you now where you're in control of yourself. So not that you're in control of the situations. Again, you're able to keep your equanimity in it further 
as you go into the situation knowing this is what it's for. And it has, not that it doesn't have power, but it's not going to have power over you to to destroy you, yeah. to break you, you know, and to break you in a bad way. We can be broken in a good way, you know, broken Absolutely. wide open for I the light to come I think we're broken a lot yeah. in a good way. Like Rumi, Rumi says, let the light in. And so... Yeah, absolutely. So that desert is something that a lot of people run from. A lot of people run from that desert of being alone with themselves and their process and solitude. And we just have to remember that we came into the world alone, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, during gestation and in our mother's womb. And when we leave, it's just us. So that's a sacredness that we always have to remember is that a lot of the trans, the biggest transformation we will ever have happens alone at the end of life, in the middle, through, like in that dash in between your, your birth date and your death date, it's going to happen then, but then it's also going to happen again at the end. end. And so solitude, I always say solitude is sacred. So speaking of end, I mean, at one point for you, you had your dark night of the soul and you try to take your life and you tried to end it. And, um, you were in, in the hospital for a little bit? I was. Well, the hospital was, uh, it was a few years later. But the, yeah, when I tried to end my life, I just could not figure out a way to make what I was going through stop. I couldn't figure out how to end this cycle, how to get off this loop. Every day I woke up, it was like Groundhog's Day. And I just was crying out for something more. And this was um, this pre was bef- all the pre right. yeah pre all the teachers showing up all the work all the transformation happening yeah and so life said no life said no it's not your time and you know the divine had had a big job to do with me I'll say <laughs> at that time yeah. because you know I I literally tried to take my life and there's no way I should have not been here and I made it and so even in that moment I knew. Okay, like the, when I'm I say, to be doing something. oh yeah, when I was able to fully come back into my right mind, I knew that there was a purpose for my life. I didn't know what it was, but it was it was the spark of everything else. And when I look back now, I'm like, thank you, thank you that I didn't give up because I, I never the the young girl I was then never would have thought that I'd be the woman I am today. There's not a, nothing in a million years. I didn't see it for myself. But it's so interesting the idea of lack of purpose. Yeah. Especially knowing you had like that dad and knowing, and I guess it's like sometimes mm-hmm. it's just the path. Like someone's going to feel, especially I guess if you're in a low vibrational environment, you just feel like, I mean, people, uh, people in any feel that way, but it's like, I get it. That idea of feeling like you have zero purpose is heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I was at this time, I was away from my father across country and I wasn't around my sangha, you know, my support community. So the vibra- the higher vibration you were getting was now gone too. It was gone. And at this time again, I, I was, I was in that abusive relationship and I wasn't able to really vocalize what I was going through. So my support community couldn't even show up for me, even from distance because right. I didn't know, didn't know how to, I don't know. I didn't know how to put it into language for them. And I was dealing with everything on my own. It was just too much. And I was completely consumed and overwhelmed with, with, you know, just being in a domestic violence relationship. And I couldn't find my power. I just couldn't. Like, every time I think I would get away, I would end up back. Like, you know, the person, like they do, they know yeah. how to will you back in. And so that that was just a thing for a while. But when I did get my power back, I remember... It was just in the middle of the night with my daughter and I. I didn't care what I had to leave. I just left everything. And, and there we go, what started the rest of my life, the rest of the new beginning of my life, because I'm clear that 
that, that was a mark in my, in my timeline for me of when everything started to change of not only did I, was I able to live, but then I was able to leave with my, in my right mind and with my daughter intact. And from there, the people just started showing up from here, from here, from here. And it wasn't perfect because there was more trauma to come. You know, the, sure. the, the relationship I had right after that was, was dysfunctional. But it was, it was a relationship where I ultimately stood in my power. Right. And I was able to say, wait a minute. You know, and, and this is a relationship that Robert Greene helped me right. <laughs> yeah. with. It's the Green relationship. Yeah, the Green relationship. <laughs> and so by this point, see, the, but the woman I was in that abusive relationship, like for one, I, wouldn't, I wasn't even the mind, right mind to read Robert Greene's book. Right, or ask for help. Or, or ask for help or reach out to him. Like I didn't have the confidence to do any of it's that. It's so interesting. It's like, it's like what, that's why I'm so happy we're talking and I want people to hear it. A small, small shift of mindset creates a whole new vibration. A whole new vibration. And like that's what this whole episode is about. It's like just if you guys can own your vibration, know that the way you think is, is contributing to what vibration and what frequency you are resting at. Yeah it'll start really changing how you try and have an outlook towards the world and towards yourself and towards yeah. others and how you choose to present yourself and step into every single day right. because you realize that simple shift changed vibration and then that vibration change started attracting the teachers and attracting the new situations to help create you. And like that's when it all started you know, the momentum changed. Yeah, absolutely. It's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you're a beautiful teacher and I'm so appreciative that you're here. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's oh my God, of course. Honor. Let's do your four <laughs> use before you do your personal practice. Let me go down to them. Um, so four quick questions. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I feel like we've talked about it, but maybe it's different. <laughs> if you could say one teacher for you, the most inspirational teacher, who would it be? Oh, hands down, Howard Thurman. Yeah. Great. Um, What's your current obsession? Oh, my current obsession. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's so weird and small, but um, um, Kermini mushrooms, raw. Love. Those are so good. So good. <laughs> I'm with you. I love it. Yeah. Um, do you have an inspiring place that you like to go to or an inspiring place that you've traveled to? Nature. Just nature in all of her beautiful forms just does it for me every single time. And I'm always in awe of how she shows up beautiful and different. Love that. What is um, a, one piece of life advice you have for everyone? Vibrating higher daily is how you take your power back. You're amazing. Thank you for this conversation. And thank you for doing what you do. Mm, I really you. appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing what oh, you please. do. Oh, please. This is yes. great. This is beautiful. And thank you for inviting me or to tell me about this Kundalini yoga because this is... Oh, yes. I'm, I was just telling her Kundalini. Yeah. As they know, they get annoyed. Listen to me. It's all energy. So I feel like yeah. you are going to love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> she will be doing her personal practice. So stay tuned. Now Layla's going to do her personal practice, which is a quote from her book. Grapes must be crushed to make wine. Diamonds form under pressure. Olives are pressed to release oil. Seeds grow in darkness. Whenever you feel crushed, under pressure, or in darkness, you're in a powerful place for transformation and transmutation. Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. 
Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.